We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, uh, Star Cable, Exxon TV, and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you'd like to give us a call toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this first hour of tonight's show is Glenn Chrisberg, and we're going to be talking about Glenn's book, Lost Knowledge of the Ancients. Glenn, can, uh, Glenn is the editor of the author of the month page at GrahamHancock.com, is a radio frequency engineer, writer, researcher, and licensed outdoor guide, and currently serves as the vice president of the New England Antiquities Research Association. The author of numerous articles and papers, including lith, uh, Lithic, Mysteries of the Northeast. He is the founder and editor of the alternative science and history website, ashnews.org. He lives in Woodstock, New York, with his wife and two children. And we're going to be talking about lost knowledge of the ancients and Glenn Crisberg. Welcome to the X-Zone. 
Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Tell me, Glenn, where did your interest in the lost uh, knowledge of the ancients come from? Uh, well, it probably goes back to when I had a job as a uh, teenager in an antiquarian bookstore in upstate New York, uh, in the hometown where I lived and grew up, Woodstock, New York, a small town that everybody's heard of. Mm-hmm. So uh, working in this bookstore as a, as a, a teen, I uh, read a lot of books on ancient history, uh, antiquarian books, um, uh, books on Celtic mythology and um, antiquarian books. Uh, uh, topics, uh, Arthurian legend and, and the likes, and that's uh, where my my history, my uh, background in ancient knowledge really began. Uh, coming up through uh, more recent uh, history, I um, got involved with uh, Graham Hancock and his website uh, mm-hmm. four or five years ago. Right. Actually, actually, Graham at, at a, uh, a conference that he was participating in out on the West Coast, uh, this is the CPAC conference, the Conference on Procession and Ancient Knowledge, which takes place each year on the West Coast. And um, I was reading Graham's book, Underworld, and had made some observations about some of the temples on Malta, and I had pointed these out to him, and he thought that I was onto something and asked me to mm-hmm. write a paper for his forum on his website, and I, I did, and it was subsequently published in uh, Atlantis Rising magazine a few years later. This was my article on uh, electromagnetism and the ancients, which is included in this anthology. So uh, he he kind of inspired me to to right. uh, go a little go a little further in this field. All right, you and I have to take our first uh, commercial break. You will be back in two minutes' time, so don't go anywhere, uh, Glenn. Exonation Glenn Kreisberg is our special guest. Here's the website, www.ashnews.org, and we're talking about this hour in the Exxon, something very interesting and that a lot of people love talking about, lost knowledge of the ancients. Once again, www.ashnews.org, and the name of Glenn's book is Lost Knowledge of the Ancients. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. And Glenn and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue right here from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com, and always send your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. Don't go away. Back in two minutes. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. 
Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. talking about the ancient knowledge or, or the lost knowledge of the ancients. Our special guest this hour is uh, Glenn Crisberg, his website, ashnews.org. He's the author of Lost Knowledge of the Ancients, and uh, Chris, welcome back. Thanks, Rob. All right, Chris. Um, how accurate, in your opinion, is the history that we are told about the ancients compared to the actuality concerning the history of the ancients? Well, I, I like to use an analogy. Um, if all of uh, history, mm-hmm. if all there is to know about history is a, is a dartboard, and every fact we discover about history is a dart we throw at that board and, and hit, hitting that surface, there are certainly more surface than there is points of facts that we know about history, I think. I think there's still more unknown than there is known about our past. And I think based on the, uh, I think any, any uh, historian or archaeologist would probably agree based on the, the fossil record, because basically what archaeologists do and historians is they take a fragment mm-hmm. of history or, or a fragment of a, of a creature that lived uh, tens of thousands or millions of years ago, and then they put the rest of it together and try to figure out what it looked like, what it behaved like. And they do it with really very little empirical evidence. So there's a lot of speculation and guesswork in ancient history and, and the knowledge that the ancients had. And, and we're, we're gaining ground on, on what we uh, know they knew, but I think uh, most of it is, is still a mystery. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about the Mayans and what is going to happen on December the 21st, 2012, with the end of the Mayan calendar. Um, why do you think that there is such a significance being put on the Mayas at this time? You know, here we are in the year 2010. Are we really going to take everything that people from way back when are going to tell us about? Well, the Mayans were... Uh an interesting culture in that they did put so much emphasis on astronomy mm-hmm. and the movements in the heavens, and they certainly were keen observers of those movements and kept very careful records. So we, we, uh, we tend to pay more attention to cultures where we know that they did these things, and we, uh, we want to determine today how closely they were uh, to what we are discovering uh, in, in our recent times. And it turns out the Mayans were, were pretty close. Now, uh, it's interesting because I, I read just recently in the, in the last few weeks that their 2011 or the 2011, uh, 2012 date that's being touted is, mm-hmm. may not even be accurate and may be off by as much as 50 years because, of course, since the Mayans uh, created their calendar, uh, our calendar has changed from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. 
and and that happened, uh, in, in, I believe, in the in the seventeenth century or around that time. So um, there, there, it's just been very recently called into question whether that twenty twelve date is is an accurate interpretation of the Mayan calendar, or if it's off by by uh, several decades. So uh, personally, and 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 uh, I have to say, I managed to avoid the twenty twelve topic in, mm-hmm. in this anthology. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think it, it it represents the end of a cycle, the end of um, uh, certainly an era uh, and and a watershed moment in humanity in that we're we're looking at a shift in perspective that's happening. And there are there are um, articles in my anthology that speak a little bit more to that shift in consciousness and um, show how it may in fact be related to uh, astronomical movements and uh, particularly the procession of the equinox. Who are some of the contributors to your book, Lost Knowledge of the Ancients? Well, we've got quite a variety. Uh, the first article is by Robert Schock. He's the mm-hmm. um, Boston uh, professor, Boston University professor, who redated the Sphinx on uh, geologic evidence and believes it to be uh, several thousand years older than, than uh, attributed in the textbooks. So he, he uh, used modern science, modern ge- uh, geological survey to look at the Sphinx enclosure, and, and he determined simply and objectively that it was created in a period of great rainfall. And we know that when the uh, Great Pyramids were built, and of course the Sphinx in, in uh, traditional uh, textbooks is attributed to having been built at the same time as the Great Pyramids um, about 5,000 years ago, Yet that was a very dry period in Egyptian history. You have to go back a few thousand years prior to that before you get the kind of rainfall that was taking place that the geology of the Sphinx enclosure indicates uh, you know, the, what, what the true age is. Mm-hmm. When looking back in time, and we, we, you know, everybody's seen photographs of the Sphinx, uh, how does the, the archaeology behind the Sphinx or its significance add to today's value of life and society? Well, that's an interesting question. Of course, that you can ask that about, about all of ancient mm-hmm. history. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the lessons that we can learn from looking at the cultures of the past, and, and if you notice, uh, and you're a keen observer of history, you notice that all great civilizations and cultures, from the Egyptians to the Greeks to the Romans, uh, had, a, had a rise and a fall. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times it's related to socioeconomic, um, cl- climactic conditions, which certainly may, may have influenced that, but there is a larger cycle that's superimposed on civilization and human consciousness having to do with the um, celestial movements and the celestial energies. And there are some articles in my uh, anthology here that speak to that, and I mentioned the procession of the equinox. And um, Walter Cruttenton, who contributed the... the uh, the article History and Celestial Time, and Does Procession Cause the Rise and Fall of Civilization, he wrote a very fascinating article where he uh, researches the East Indian um, Vedic culture and the yugas, which are the cycles of time that are attributed to uh, the Dark Age and the uh, Mm -hmm. um, Golden Age of humanity. And he believes that there is scientific evidence to prove that our uh, sun is in a binary relationship with a, another uh, gravitational force, perhaps a star, uh, perhaps a, a, a red dwarf or a brown dwarf, something that is unseen to the naked eye at this time. 
but that this interaction um, causes a change in electromagnetic energy on the Earth, and it affects uh, our brains, causing our consciousness to change. And this is why many ancient cultures have a, a uh, tradition of humanity and civilization passing through different um, ages. And, and some considered golden ages, some considered silver, some considered bronze, some considered iron. And um, this is all, uh, according to the uh, ancient East Indian Vedic scripture, um, uh, predetermined by our position in the heavens. And if you, uh, if you know about the procession of the equinox, you know that this is what's responsible for the ages of the zodiac. It's the, actually the astronomy behind the astrology of, of, um, of uh, the zodiac. So there is some real uh, science and astronomy to the, to the, uh, the uh, astronom astronomical signs that we um, consider with our fortunes. Tell me, is there a common thread through the articles in uh, Lost Knowledge of the Ancients? I would say the common thread would be the, the, uh, the vast cycles of time that, that are superimposed on human existence and, and how they affect us mm -hmm. and how they have um, uh, played into the major events that, uh, in the watershed moments in human history. Mm. Were there any uh, major or big discoveries that were discussed in the book? Well, you know, uh, one of the most profound articles I find is Richard, is, um, Richard Hoagland, uh, who uh, wrote a book called Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA. Mm -hmm. And he, he uh, Hoagland was, um, he worked for Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and he was um, Walter Cronkite's uh, science liaison during the Apollo missions. And he has uh, claimed as an insider, having first-hand knowledge that um, we have, in fact, and NASA has, in fact, discovered uh, the remains of ancient civilizations on other planets and have been covering that up. Well, sure. Yeah. Bill Hoagland was responsible for the face on Mars. What can we call this? examined and researched a yeah. lot of that. And what he did was he, he foiled uh, NASA for a lot of images that were never released. And he claims, and, and he's published these in his book, that, um, that there's clear evidence in these photographs mm -hmm. Of, of structures that are remaining on the surface of the Mars and the, and the Moon as well. Now, uh, you know, a lot of people might think this is kind of uh, uh, crackpot kind of stuff, and, and Hoagland, um, there's been attempts to marginalize him, but I've met him and I've talked to him, and, and, you know, he's a credible character. There's no question in my mind. Well, there's and, one question I'd like to ask uh, uh, Hoagland, and that is, where did the face on Mars go then? Because according well, to NASA photos that would have been taken by recent missions, there is no face on Mars, and they explain it as a uh, basically an optical illusion. I, I, I read all that, yeah. and, and it certainly uh, can be explained that way, and you can take uh, different angle pictures of different mm -hmm. monuments and you know create all kinds of, of uh, images and perspectives. Right. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, these things are there, these things are not there, but I do think it's interesting that... Um, on November 3rd at the National uh, Press Club in, in California, we had a gathering of, I believe there were six uh, retired Air Force officers who held a press conference, and they basically announced the same thing, uh, that the government was covering up uh, incidences of UFO encounters. And I don't know if you recall this. This was just very recently. I thought that was in Washington. No, that was in California at the National Press Club, and that press, release, that press conference um, 
put some nuclear facility commanders, now retired, mm-hmm. front and center, who were all claiming uh, independently that they had UFO encounters while in command of these nuclear facilities, reported them to their superiors and were told not to talk about it. And this is during the 60s and 70s and 80s. And, uh, again, these guys are pretty credible witnesses, uh, you know, um, know, very um, respectable military officers who were just, you know, they weren't saying what they believed this were. They were just describing incidences that occurred and relating facts. And they said that when these incidences occurred, their missile bases went down and they Mm -hmm. would not... All right, Glenn, stand by. You and I have to take our news break. We'll be back after the news. Exxon Nation, Glenn Chrisberg is our special guest. www.ashnews.org. And we're talking about the lost knowledge of the ancients. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe, dare to be heard. And uh, Chris and I, uh, Glenn and I will be back on the other side of this break. As we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hi, hold there, Trinity Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone Radio Show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Nation, our guest this hour is Glenn Chrisberg. His website is www.ashnews.org, and we're talking about lost knowledge of the ancients. Um, before we went to the break, we had just started talking about some of the dis- major discoveries that were talked about in lost uh, knowledge of the ancients, and we were talking about Bill Hoagland and uh, the uh, the ancient artifacts that he believes are on Mars as as well as on the moon. Now, why do you think this information, if it is real, and these monuments and these archaeological objects do actually exist on Mars as well as on the moon, that the information is being suppressed from the public? Well, uh, Hoagland goes into that in his book and in his article, and he mm-hmm. talks about a, um, he cites a Brookings Institute report that was commissioned at the founding of NASA. And at NASA's inception, um, the government had Brookings look at um, all the different aspects of what space exploration could uh, could mean for humanity and the implications it could have for uh, our nation as a, as a program that we're undertaking. 
And what Brookings Institute came back with on, on uh, a lot of the questions, and uh, one of the big questions that NASA was asking was, what do we do with the public if we find intelligent life out there in the universe? And the answer from Brookings was, keep it a national secret. Do not share that information. It could destabilize uh, society. So uh, basically the government decided we're not ready for this information and um, has been keeping it from us. Now, another thing uh, to, to bring to light, and I was watching these, uh, these uh, Air Force officers who were coming out with uh, encounters that they had during mm -hmm. the um, Atlas missile period in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. Yeah, basically during the Cold War. During the Cold War. And they, yeah. and they said that when they reported these to their uh, superiors, their superiors said not to speak about it, but they also said that other incidences had occurred, and not just to the U.S., but also to Russian facilities. And as I mentioned before the break, during these incidences, these uh, facilities went down. Uh, they were inoperable. The, the commanders reported that they could not have fired mm -hmm. their nuclear missiles had they wanted to. So this was a this had you know absolutely national security implications and was quite a serious incident. Although it never made it into the public consciousness until uh, just a few weeks ago. Now, well, wait a second. Hold on here. That's wrong. You're, you're wrong there because this is not the first time that these gentlemen have gone before the national media. They did this a couple of years ago and prior to that a couple of years ago. Like okay, this, well, this maybe, is this maybe, is nothing uh, this new. May, this may be, and I appreciate you bringing it to my yeah. attention. And what I was about to mention is that in my. Um, and it may, be, it may be what you're relating to, or, or maybe not, but in my introduction I talk about uh, the astronaut uh, Edgar Mitchell, who in 2008, a few years ago, mm -hmm. came out and basically said the same thing. Uh, said, oh, okay, I, yeah, I, yeah. Everybody, everybody's well aware of Edgar Mitchell and, and his claims and his Noetic Institute and, and, and you know, his, his connection with the higher consciousness. But how come other astronauts... Who were uh, who have been on the moon? Who have circled the moon? Why is there only a very, 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 very small number of these people who are making well, these claims? That's an interesting point, and let me ask you something, mm -hmm. uh, Rob. Sure. Have you have you ever seen uh, who who might be the biggest national hero this country has? He's a living. He, he's alive today. He's living, and he and he and he probably has a lot to say on this. But this guy never talks. Who am I talking about? Well, you're talking about Neil Armstrong. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he alludes to things. Every, t every once in a while he'll make a public appearance mm -hmm. and he'll talk and he'll, and he'll cryptically refer to someday in the future we will know something that we don't know now. But he doesn't say what it is. But that's, that's, so, very, that's very vague because you and, I can, you and I can make the same statement with different implications well, because of but we're, our... But we're not Neil Armstrong. We're not the first man to walk on the moon. And why wouldn't he be out there I mean, debunking this stuff? If, if it's such nonsense. Well, if Edgar Mitchell comes out, I mean, when, uh, when NASA issued a statement mm -hmm. in reply to Edgar Mitchell, they said, they said uh, he's a true American hero, but we disagree with his opinion. Edgar Mitchell did not state an opinion. He said he had inside first-hand information from working with NASA that the Roswell incident was, in that, was, was something that actually happened and was being covered up. So now we can either dismiss that as being crackpot, or we can say there's something here that's credible, though we can't confirm it. All right, now hold on here. We're talking, you've kind of lost me. How did we get from the moon to Roswell, New Mexico? <laughs> well, I, I started talking about Edgar Mitchell, who I mentioned in my, yeah. in my introduction, as, as, as uh, having also come out and mentioned that we are uh, cu currently in, in contact 
with uh, extraterrestrials, but that the government is covering that up. All right, and now, let me, let me ask... You're right, something that's not new. It's been said yeah. for many years. Let, 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 but I, I feel incrementally we're being prepared for this. All right, let me ask you this. If this was, in fact, a fact that there was or that there is lost archaeology... Or, or hidden information or suppressed information about what is on Mars as well as on the moon. Other countries besides the United States of America have had the ability to, you know, look at Russia. They, they went to the moon first. They, if this information is true, don't you think that Russia would love to use this information to show the American people that their government cannot be trusted? No, they'd have to say the same thing about themselves. They, if they had this information and... and How do we know this? Evidence. How do we know this for a fact that they have this information? Like, we're just getting well, we this... We're just... we, we don't. We're speculating yeah. here, Rob. You know that as well as I do. But the facts are coming out slowly. I mean, you can't deny when an, when an astronaut who walked on the moon is telling you something like that. I mean, you can't just dismiss it. Why not? I mean, well... Apparently you can, because none of this stuff ever gets any traction in the real media. So when, when you get an astronaut like Edgar Mitchell, or you get uh, nuclear coma uh, commanders from facilities coming out and saying these things, you know, point blank, and it's not picked up by uh, Anderson Cooper, who you'd think would have these guys, these, these uh, majors and these colonels, he'd, be, he'd think he'd have them on question. No, 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 you know, what? you know what, I agree with the mainstream media for not flaunting this, because these people come with no evidence. There is no evidence whatsoever to substantiate any of their claims. They talk a lot, but when it comes to the evidence, there is well, none. So, so, so uh, you don't believe that Hoagland has any evidence? He's just blowing smoke. Yeah, that's that's my opinion exactly. Okay, well, and you're absolutely entitled to it. Because and, and I would love to. You see, I want to believe, but doing this show now for twenty years, talking to over three thousand two hundred guests. No one has come to me with any physical evidence. A lot of theories, a lot of hypotheses, what, a lot of, well, what ifs, and a lot of, well, I've heard this from so-and-so, inside information, but no okay, proof. Well then then let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk okay. about another, another uh, uh, article in the, in the anthology here by a guy named Bedridian, who's with the, uh, the, the State of India's Archaeological Institute. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's doing uh, archaeology off the northwest coast of India in the Gulf of Cambay. He's doing it 40 kilometers out in the Gulf and 60 meters deep in the ocean, and he's pulling up artifacts that show that human beings were creating pottery and yeah. creating villages and cities thousands of years before uh, Sumer in, in, in Mesopotamia. So here you have evidence that's showing that the cradle of civilization lies off the coast of India and that cities were being built and pottery was being created and most likely agriculture was taking place on a fertile plain thousands of years prior to what is attributed in any textbook. And this is backed up by evidence. The pictures ah. are there. The photos are there. It's all done by archaeologists mm -hmm. and, and deep water uh, excavation. And... The pro you know the proof is yep. there. You see, when, you when, came when, up when when it makes it into the into the uh, university textbook, mm -hmm. then it'll be accepted. But right now, it's not it's not acknowledged. But you see, you said a magic word there, artifacts. That's physical evidence. That I can you know that I can believe. 
well, maybe when we mount expeditions to the moon and but Mars, we've been there the already with the with the specific goal of doing archaeological excavation to mm-hmm. determine whether there were prior civilizations. That's never been the goal of any of our missions, and if it was, we certainly weren't told it was. But do and, we... if evidence, and if evidence was found, according to Brookings yeah. Institute, it should not be shared. All right, so but why let's would take they, a Why would you expect there to be evidence? Well, stopped? let's take a look at society today. Do we really need to spend more money, waste money, going to the moon, sending these billions and billions of dollars of uh, in space projects going to Mars when we can't even take care of the people on this planet. I, for one, would love to see NASA scrapped. I really would. Because they're wasting valuable money that could be used for the homeless, for the sick, for the hungry. You know, I I really believe that science is wonderful, but science has its priorities wrong. Take care of the people now. We need their help now. We need well, the help of the scientific community to help feed this planet, to help, you know, heal this planet, not well, only that's, the that's planet. Why, that's why studying the past is so fundamental. Mm-hmm. We as humans are notorious for not learning from oh, our mistakes and we're not stupid. learning from the, from, the, from the lessons of history. Yep. We ignore them. Oh, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> you <don't> well, like... <laughs> that's something we agree yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, I I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. with the science, the, the the priorities of science, and and you know who sets those priorities, and uh, are they are they truly looking out for the for the uh, the best interest of society as a whole? These are legitimate uh, points to debate. Um, but whether we can learn something valuable from studying history and learning from the lessons and mistakes of our past, there's no, nothing to debate there. We can and we should. Do we? No. Of course not. And, 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 and let's take a look. Let's just take a look at history, because archaeology is, is a major part of history. We know for a fact that Christopher Columbus did not discover the Americas, and yet every textbook in schools today, has Christopher Columbus as the person who discovered the Americas? Well, thank that's, you, Ron. That's and, just and, one as, example. As, as, as vice president of, of New England Antiquities Research Association, which is a group that has a lot of uh, diffusionists in it and believe that there were transoceanic voyages mm-hmm. uh, thousands of years sure. ago, uh, not just 500 years before Columbus, which the evidence supports, but there's evidence out there, the Kensington Runestone and, and other artifacts that exist and again, there's a, there's a case to be made here that a lot of this has been suppressed as well. Um, that there that there were uh, uh, transoceanic voyages mm-hmm. uh, in early, in early human history, and that culture did diffuse across the, go- the globe and, and didn't necessarily uh, develop independently in different areas. Yeah. And, and you know, isolationism, diffusionism, there's a, there's a legitimate debate there as well to be had. Uh, but I believe the diffusionists are are uh, winning out. I think the evidence is showing that that uh, folks did travel from uh, Western Europe um, across the ice sheet into the northeast of America, bringing with them um, their, their technology. And that's why we do see megalithic sites in, in New England uh, that resemble what's in uh, northwest um, uh, Europe and Great Britain. And it's enigmatic, and it's not explained. It falls through the cracks of archaeology and anthropology. But the evidence is there. And it's slowly being put together, and the theories are shifting. And this is a lot of what my book talks about, these shifting paradigms in history and science, and how what we once believed to be true and, and, and uh, ground um, uh, or uh, the foundation of a lot of our uh, historical knowledge is, is, you know, the underpinning is being pulled out from under us. And, and it's important to take note of these things, because 
we are going to have a different perspective in 20 years, in sure. 100 years, in 500 years. Uh, and many of the folks I believe that are written in this book are going to be um, seen as having, having called it right back in our time. You know, when we look back in time, you know, we're, we were talking a few minutes ago about Christopher Columbus and, excuse me, what about the Vikings? What about the, the Irish, the Irish monks? They were over in North America 500 years before Columbus. Why? A thousand years before, yeah, absolutely. That, right. So why don't, why don't we teach this to the kids in school? Why do we have to make Christopher Columbus the hero that he's not? Well, it, it, it's frustrating to me as well, and yeah. these are the things that need to change, and I think slowly they will. When, you know, I, I've got a kindergartner and a, and a fourth grader, and when they come oh. home, uh, you know, Columbus Day, and they've got all this stuff on Columbus, uh, I, I try to set them straight, and I say, well, he did, he did uh, take part in the voyage yeah. of discovery, but others and well before him and discovered the things that he discovered before him. And, and landed on our continent, not an island in the, in the Caribbean, but on our continent proper, uh, 500 and perhaps 1,000 years, and I personally believe uh, a few thousand years prior to Columbus. So, so uh, it, it's, it's, um, it, is, it is frustrating, and there, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a political aspect to it that, that keeps, um, you know, Columbus Day and, and the image of Columbus um, as pristine as it is, but I think people who study the subject uh, know a little bit more about what the truth is. You and I have to take our final break, Glenn. Please stand by. It's a great pleasure talking to you. Exonation Glenn Chrisberg is our special guest. We're talking about lost knowledge of the ancients. His website, www.ashnews.org. We'll be back on the other side of this uh, commercial break. As we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, don't forget Exonation. Uh, the X Chronicles newspaper for November is coming out on the 25th of this month. If you'd like to get a copy of the paper, go to www.xchronicles-newspaper.com forward slash request.htm. Fill out the form that's there, and we'll make sure that you start getting your very own copy of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments and the compliments of our many advertisers. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone. Don't go away. We'll be back after the short break. Nation, our special guest this hour, Glenn Crisberg. We're talking about lost knowledge of the ancients, www.ashnews.org. First of all, uh, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great hour. Uh, you know, with so many, how can I call them? Uh, uh, with so, I'm just going to call it the way it is. With so many lies about 
history as it is. How do we know that in the future these lies won't continue and the true history and the true stories won't be told? Well, um, I, you know, they always say history is written by the victors. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd like to think that as time goes on, the playing field uh, is going to be leveled somewhat um, you know, due to, due to um, new media, uh, the Internet um, communication tools that are coming out. I think the, um, the somewhat Eurocentric view of history is fading into the past, and those glasses are, and filters are coming off, and we're hearing from a lot of other corners of the world and their perspectives. And um, I, I do think that's going to have a, a, uh, a change on, on what we hear and what we find out. Uh, I, do, I, you know, I, I still think the, um, the truth is going to be skewed somewhat. It always is. Uh, it always takes time for it to shake out, but I do think the perspective of history um, 100 or, or 200 years is better than it is uh, two weeks or two months or two years. Uh, you know, time, time, time uh, tends to shake things out, and people seem to look at things a little more objectively as time passes. Now, that said, uh, there's still a lot of... Um, and I'm not sure if I'd call it lies. I mean, I'm sure there are some intentional lies and some some uh, uh, conspiracy type mm. things that are suppressing certain and we've uh, certain knowledge, and we've talked about that. But uh, but I think it, by and whole, by and large, um, knowledge and and access to it and information is opening up. And 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 I also think that if we believe these um, cycles of time that I spoke about, the, the ages of man, we are in, 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 in leaving a dark age and, and ascending and, and um, uh, are, are in a time of expanding consciousness and, and knowledge. And we will um, only, only continue to gain, I believe, more uh, of a grasp of the truth. I agree with you, and it's nice to know that there's people like you out there, Glenn, making sure that when the truth becomes available, you get out out to the public. So thanks very much for the great work you do. Well, I appreciate you appreciating it. Glenn, uh, quickly let our listeners know how they can get a copy of Lost Knowledge of the Ancients. Uh, well, you can uh, you can Google it. You can go to Amazon. It's, uh, it's for sale at most um, bookstores, uh, the traditional big ones, some of the smaller independents, which I'd like to uh, support. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll be actually giving a, a signing and a reading at Market block books in Troy, New York. It's right next to the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. That'll be this uh, this Friday at 7 p.m. And um, so you can go to my website, which you mentioned, ashnews.org. It's prominently uh, displayed front and center there. You can get information on the book and, and the editor and the contributors and all that good stuff. All right, Glenn, thanks very much for joining us. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. You take, take care. care of yourself, and I'd also like to thank the good people at Inner Traditions for helping make this interview possible. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away.